Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, February 28th. Coming up, with the filing period now underway, the race for the open U.S. Senate seat from Missouri is heating up, certainly between Congresswoman Vicki Hartzler and former Governor Eric Greitens. The quote I used in, the, in our story, it is not conservative to tie a woman up in your basement and assault her, is the clearest indication yet that, that she sees him as the primary person to beat in this race. But there are plenty of other candidates, too. Today, we take a look at the state of that contest, all part of our regular Monday look at state government and politics in both Missouri and Kansas. Starting with headlines, the Kansas School Board voted to suspend Education Commissioner Randy Watson for 30 days without pay. As Suzanne Perez of the Kansas News Service reports, the action comes after Watson made a racially insensitive remark about Native Americans. Watson submitted a letter of resignation to the state school board, but the board unanimously rejected it. President Jim Porter said board members spoke with people who were offended by Watson's remark, but they also considered the commissioner's history with the department. This particular incident was serious and needed to be addressed, but we didn't feel like it was career-ending. We, we believe in restorative justice. During a conference on virtual education, Watson related a story from his childhood in which he made disparaging remarks about Native Americans. Governor Laura Kelly and several lawmakers had called for Watson to step down. In the Kansas legislature this week, the stage is set for a busy final month of the session, with lawmakers facing a range of issues, including how teachers talk about race and gender and whether to fund private schools with state tax dollars. Jim McLean of the Kansas News Service has more. Bills to give parents more control over what their children are taught on issues of race, gender, and sexuality have passed out of legislative committees, but neither the House nor Senate has considered them. The same for bills that would allow low-income students to use state dollars to transfer to private schools. Senator Cindy Holscher, an Overland Park Democrat, says the proposals are attacks on public education, and she believes the key to stopping them is to rally opposition in Johnson County because it has more legislators than any other county and a long record of supporting its public schools. Additionally, we uh, generate close to 40 percent of the state's revenue. That gives us a good reason to amplify our voice. Supporters of the bills say they just want more information for parents and more options for at-risk students. And the Missouri General Assembly has passed its first piece of legislation this year, and it's a big one, $4.6 billion big to be exact. The House voted 133 to 12 to go along with the Senate's version of the supplemental budget bill, meaning it included funding for pay raises for all state workers that had been sought by Republican Governor Mike Parson, who quickly signed the budget into law. But the House Budget Chair, Republican Representative Cody Smith, was quick to point out that the measure didn't mandate the $15 minimum wage for state workers workers, which would be more than the state requires for businesses. It is not my intention that state, the state government should uh, place the state workforce at an unfair competitive advantage over private employers. The legislation also ensured the state will receive nearly $2 billion in education funding from the federal government, and it funded the expansion of Medicaid as required by a voter-approved constitutional amendment and a decision of the state Supreme Court last year. When Missouri Republican Roy Blunt announced a year ago that he would retire from the U.S. Senate at the end of this term, 
it set off a massive battle for campaign contributions, for endorsements, and of course, for votes. Some of the state's most prominent Republicans are going after the nomination, and one another, and though the GOP will be the clear favorite in the race, several Democrats are also fighting to offer an alternative. The campaign entered a new chapter last week, with most of the candidates showing up in Jefferson City for filing day at the Secretary of State's office. With the primary now less than six months away, I talked with Rudy Keller, deputy editor of the Missouri Independent, about the race. It's an um, interesting um, season. Filing will continue till March 29th, but we already have 24 candidates who have filed for that U.S. Senate seat. Yeah, that first filing day is always a little bit business, a little bit theater, a little bit of a party, right? Yeah, it's um, one of the few times in politics where everybody has to stand in line, whether you're the best known candidate for any office in the state or you're the most obscure candidate for any office in the state. And it's not a time for political debate, but a time for enjoying um, company. And so that aspect of it is the theater and the, and the, you know, the, you know, this is a, a good day for democracy kind of day. A lot of the drama on the Republican side uh, leading up to the filing day has involved former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens. How has he gone, Rudy, from resigning in disgrace to leading in the polls? Well, he's been someone who left office based on, you know, the, the a looming impeachment and some indictments in, um, involving um, the p alleged photos he took of a during a um, sexual encounter in his basement um, that has been described various ways as a sexual assault. But he was never convicted of those charges. And he's much like President Trump. He has a, a faithful um, group of people who will stick with him through thick and thin. And he never um, has polled less than 25 to 30 percent among Republican electorate. And that's a good place to start in a statewide primary where you've got four or five or even six candidates who think that they can win the primary. So I guess the question is, will that core group of people who say they still support former Governor Greitens actually uh, activate to get him this nomination? Will he have the funds and the support he needs down the stretch? Well, that's the, the real question. His 2016 campaign for governor was built in large part on large donations to um, groups that are described as 501c4 committees in um, federal law, but dark money by the parlance of politics. If the, many of those donors who have deep pockets are sticking with him, he should be able to have the, the, the dollars necessary to have a large presence in the various media that where you, you know, like your six o'clock news on commercial television will be loaded down with campaign ads. Quite close to Greitens in the polls is Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. He's also very conservative. How's he distinguishing himself from Greitens? Well, he's he's not directly attacking Greitens the way some of the other candidates are, but clearly he's um, using his office to elevate his profile um, in the state. These lawsuits against various school districts, lawsuits that, you know, for example, he sued China to try to blame it for the coronavirus. And um, while I haven't done any checking lately to see how successful that's been, um, it's very difficult to, 
to sue a, another sovereign country in the United <laughs> States courts, but that doesn't mean that he didn't get the, the publicity that says that he's doing it. So he's challenged um, the uh, Biden administration in quite a few lawsuits as well. Yes, yes. And so he's trying to position himself as the person who's been who has effectively taken on the Biden administration over things like vaccine mandates for workers and other um, other issues. So that's a very traditional path to um, higher office in Missouri is making the attorney general's office using the, the publicity it can generate for the, the office holder um, as, a, as a way to elevate their profile with the public. Eric Schmidt is spending a lot of campaign money, almost as much as he's raising, in fact. Meanwhile, Congressman Vicki Hartzler, who picked up the endorsement of the person she'd like to join in the Senate, Josh Hawley, is raising her profile with some direct criticisms of at least one of her opponents last week. Well, that's one thing area that I'm not as well versed on, but the, the candidates that are um, struggling to get their statewide recognition up are do, are not doing as well. You know, somebody like Vicki Hartzler, who um, had the harshest statements to say about um, Eric Greitens and seems to clearly feel that her campaign is directed at defeating Eric Greitens in particular. And that, you know, as a sitting member of Congress, she's been able to amass a fairly substantial campaign treasury that in part because she hasn't been seriously challenged in her district for um, a number of years. So so she starts from a pretty successful place. Right, right. You know, while Eric Schmidt was not nearly as direct in what he had to say about Eric Greitens, and I'm not sure if he's trying to make sure that the, the Greitens voters will will stick with him were he to win the primary. But Vicki Hartzler has made it clear she won't vote for Eric Greitens if he wins the primary and is going to go directly after him. The quote I used in the in our story, it is not conservative to tie a woman up in your basement and assault her, is the clearest indication yet that that she sees him as her primary person to beat in this race. There are a number of other Republicans on the trail. Uh, any others that you're paying particular attention to? The candidates who would be considered, you know, the you know, the, the top of the list, along with Schmidt and Greitens and Hartzler, would have to be Billy Long, the congressman from um, southwest Missouri, who's represented the 7th District, um, who is a wealthy man and can self-fund in a lot of ways. And, you know, and so we'll find out if he can go beyond that. And then there's Mark McCloskey, the attorney from St. Louis, who became well-known when he and his wife confronted protesters going to Mayor um, Cruson's house in St. Louis um, with, uh, he had an AK-47 and she had a pistol. You know, they got got a speaking spot at the at the Republican National Convention in 2020. And a pardon and from Governor Mike Parson. And a pardon from Governor Mike Parson over the charges of improper use of a weapon. So those would be the, the candidates that, you know, you'd have to say they're starting off all of them thinking that they can win. There are a total of 16 candidates filed in the Republican primary. Um, and they still have another month. Have, yeah, most of whom we haven't ever heard of. So, yeah. you know, we'll see if 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 someone, you know, Eric Greitens kind of 
you know, very few people knew who Eric Greitens was in middle of, in the middle of 2015, and by the end of 2016, he was governor. So it, we'll we'll have to see if anybody else can can break out of that Republican field and um, show that they are um, more than someone who um, wishes they could be in the United States Senate and is actually capable of winning the primary. We should talk, Rudy, before I let you go, about the Democrats as well. Certainly a Democrat would face a steeper climb to win at this moment in Missouri politics, although some think that a Greitens nomination on the GOP side might open the door to that. Remind us who's in the running for the Democrats. The name that seems to be getting the most attention is Lucas Kuntz. Who is he? You know, Lucas Kuntz is a Marine veteran who has proven himself to be an incredibly capable fundraiser. Um, he has actually, for his official campaign account, raised more money than any other candidate in the race, including the Republicans. But that, of course, is discounting the ability of, you know, or the willingness of Republicans to use what I referred to earlier, the dark money groups, the 501c4s, and you can be sure those are going to be involved. There is uh, Scott Sifton, a former state senator, was one of the first candidates to announce their plans to run in the Democratic for the Democratic nomination. You have uh, some others who are, fi- you know, eight candidates total filed. You you've got a- uh, you've got the businessman Spencer Toter. You've got Carla Coffey Wright, who ran against Claire McCaskill back in 2018. You've got a right. former staffer for McCaskill from the Platte City area, Gina Ross, Tim Shepard, an activist from here in Kansas City. Are, are any of these candidates ones to watch? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, if uh, Ms. Ross can use the McCaskill connections and her fundraising network, then she could definitely be a factor um, in the Democratic primary. I haven't seen a lot of polling in the Democratic primary yet. I would suspect that most Democrats, um, if asked to, to, if they recognize these names, are there's going to be a very low re- name recognition. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a lot of work that these candidates need to do. Um, and it's going to have to be more than just the not Greitens um, or not Republican to win. Um, there's going to, they're going to have to make themselves known and they're going to have to give, um, you know, a portion of the electorate a reason, you know, especially a portion of the electorate that might lean Republican to, to do that, to, to, to vote for them. That was Rudy Keller, deputy editor of the Missouri Independent. This is Kansas City Today. This podcast is produced by Byron Love and Trevor Grandin and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more coverage of Missouri and Kansas government and politics, you can visit kcur.org. You can also catch the live stream of Kansas City's NPR station, KCUR 89.3 there. No mean Ujiadeen returns tomorrow. I'm Brian Ellison. Thanks for listening.